Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Mike. Um, some of you uh, might remember that I've been here a few times. I love this place. I, I love what's happening. I'm so excited that you're going to have a visit, but not next week. Next week? Two weeks. You guys better behave yourself. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm just so excited. We've been praying um, for you guys. We've been I've been friends of, the, of, of Gateway from its beginning, and we were just talking about some of the history. And um, I, my wife and I are, uh, were pastors of the Vineyard Church on the north side of town for 20-some years, and we just transitioned out. So I'm so excited that uh, you guys are in this process. And um, yeah, I, you know, this morning, I, I want to pray. Uh, because that's what I do. Um, and we're going to just talk. I have three tales of people who were friends of God and what that looks like. And one of them is Abram that we just uh, spoke about. And, um, and, I, and I love that. I, one of the things that, that got me um, just about the idea of God asking uh, Abram if he would be able to count the stars, number one, you know, look up and count the stars. And I, I know in Iowa, um, we have the countryside where you can see. I, I, I live right up the road on Grand Avenue, probably about two miles. And um, there's not much star light, you know, when, when you look up. I had the privilege of living in Alaska for a while, and man, there are a lot of stars out there. I don't know what the human eye can actually see, but there are a lot of stars, and I can't imagine what it might have been like for Abram. The overwhelming, oh yeah, sure, I don't have a kid now, and I'm gonna have that many descendants. And maybe you're facing the same way, and maybe the church is facing the same way. So I hope this morning might be a little helpful to you. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your promises, especially as we sang the song, whether we're in the pasture that's, that's beautiful and the still waters that are calming, or we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we do not need to fear because you're with us. And you're with us this morning. I pray for each and each person here and those that, that weren't able to make it today, 
that you would continue to grace and gift the folks that call Gateway their home. Uh, a, a, a portion uh, of your kingdom to be an encouragement that they would receive what they need from you. Especially today as we sit in this space, won't you come, make yourself known in the way that means and is meaningful to us. We ask all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Abram is the first friend that I want to talk about. He, he was uh, chosen by God to represent who he was to the world. Uh, God promised uh, Abram that he, not only his people will be blessed, but he's going to be blessed so all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. That was God's in tension all the way. It wasn't that, that, that Abram was special in, in that, but there was something in Abram that God could trust, just like God could trust Mary to, 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 uh, to um, carry the Son of God. Uh, God could trust Abram with this great gift. And he, he said that, God said that Abraham's descendants would bless all the peoples of the earth. You and I are blessed because of Abraham's faith. You and I can know who Jesus is and have a life with God because of what Abraham uh, did, how he lived his life. And, and he was desiring of a son, of an heir. And God heard that desire and gave him that promise. Now that didn't stop there. He didn't immediately get the son. There was a, there was a journey from that point on. And it was, it was uh, if, you, if you know the narrative, he didn't get the son right away, told his wife she really didn't believe because she was old too. And they took matters in their own hand and had Ishmael in, instead of Isaac. And then God came and gave him his son. And even then, he was tested to see if if he would trust God with, with his life. And, um, and then we know the end of the story in a sense that his faith was counted as righteousness and we are the benefactors of his life of faith and his life with God. The second one I want to talk about is Paul, the apostle, St. Paul. And I want to read some of his faith journey and that is in Acts 16. We see that Paul is sent out. Paul had a passion. He had a, he had a dramatic conversion to Christ. He was riding his horse on the road to Damascus, uh, persecuting the Christians. He was a Jewish, uh, a Jewish um, trainer, leader, uh, rabbi, and he wanted to put an end to this Christianity stuff. And he was uh, imprisoning them, beating them, and some would say that he, he was participant in their martyrdom and execution. And so as he was going along, he had this dramatic 
relation, <laughs> dramatic conversion to Christ, where he was knocked off a horse, he was blind, Jesus appeared to him, and he said, yes, okay, I surrender, I consent. And um, he had a passion to tell other, others of his story. So he, he started going all over, he, he got some training first, but then he started going all over the, the known world at that time, um, preaching the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and planting churches along the way. In this part that I'm gonna read in chapter 16, verse six, Paul and Silas, who is his traveling partner, traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. So let me give you a picture. He had this passion to go. He had a desire to go. He had this dream that, that none would perish, but all would come to the knowledge of truth because of this good news of Jesus. He was compelled, he said later on. He said, woe is me if I don't do this. So he was compelled to do this, and he wanted to do it all in, in, the, in the known world that he knew. And there was a part of, it's Turkey now, but a part of Asia, he goes, I am, I'm wanting to go there. But as he was trying to go there, he was stopped by the Holy Spirit. He, he, he was prevented to do that. That's almost like saying, hey, you know what? I want to go to Des Moines from Indianola. You know, I'm, I'm trying to give you a little picture here. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get to Des Moines from Indianola. Uh, somewhere, I'm stopped. You know, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go that way. Paul said, okay, I'll pivot. I'll, I'll readjust it. And that's where we're at now. And then... Coming to the borders of Messiah, Messiah, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So he pivoted. And I don't know how many times you've pivoted in your life, you know, but he pivoted. He said, oh, okay, I can't get to Des Moines that way. Let me go around the Altoona way. You know, I'll just go on five, hit Altoona and come here. He was not allowed to do that again. You know, he, he, he had this passion, he had this desire, he had this calling, he, he was doing good things for Jesus, and he, he wasn't allowed to it. But then again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Messiah to the seaport of Troas. So they went around to Ankeny and out to Council Bluffs, kind of thing. And at Council Bluffs, or a Troas, whichever you want to say it, he had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading them, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So it took two strikes, and, and on the third strike, he hit he hit the ball kind of thing, and he, he was given a pass to do that. Interesting enough, the vision was, that he had was a man was calling from Macedonia. If you read a little bit further, the first person who comes to Christ was a woman named Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, he, he could have said, well, you know, I think that's why he said, we, we, we don't see things clearly. 
we know in part and prophesy in part. And that's part of our life of faith and following Jesus. We don't know at all. We're kind of fuzzy about it. And so we have to grope in the darkness, as Paul said. Maybe that hasn't been your experience, but following Jesus for 50 plus years, it's been mine. You know, that I don't always hear it clearly. The third tale, and this is, this is more contemporary, and it is a, a woman who I have admired and read about uh, for, for a long time. And she lived in the mid-1800s to the mid-1950s, in the mid-1900s. And her name was Amy Carmichael. Maybe you, you've heard of her. But she, was a, she grew up as a young, uh, a young person who, who loved God in England and had a desire uh, to, to be a missionary somewhere, to be helpful somewhere, to preach the gospel in other worlds, in, in other uh, in other countries. And she was highly uh, affected by what was called the Keswick movement at that time. Uh, it was a spiritual revival that was happening and people were called over. And so when she was old enough, she went to China with the Inland Mission. And maybe you've heard of the Hudson Taylor, who, who, was, the, who, who was the English uh, missionary who, who founded the Chinese Inland Mission. And she was there just one year. That was her hope, that was her desire. For several years, that's where she thought she was gonna go. That's where she felt she was gonna go. She only was there for two years and couldn't, couldn't handle it. There were there some issues with her health and issues with, with, with her finances and stuff, and she had to go home. A little discouraged. While she was home, she thought, oh, Japan. I'll go to Japan. So she went to Japan to, to, to work with a missions organization there. She was there a year and a half and circumstances and health prevented her from staying. So on the way home she goes, I'm not going to go home. I'll stop at Salon. And Salon, maybe at Salon, I, I, the nation of Salon, maybe I'll, I'll be able to, to, um, to stay there. And she couldn't stay there. There was no doors open. So she went home the, the second time, not knowing what she was to do. Several years later, she had an invitation to go to southern India. And quite reluctantly, she left her homeland again. Went to, in the beginning of the 1900s, went to India and south India. And where she, she, she landed, she, Ran into, she ran into this situation where, and it wasn't her intention, where she noticed uh, in this particular province of India, it was a common practice of parents dedicating their young girls to the gods and having them work in the temple as sex workers. So these children would be trafficked, in other words, to to the various religious temples in that area. And so her mission that she saw was, uh, was to rescue these young, young girls from, from that life and provided education, orphanages. In fact, uh, the name of it, it's still going on and it's called Denaver uh, Fellowship. 
and she passed away in, the, in I think, 1951. But she, she was there for 30 years. Why do I say all of these things? They're, they're, they're great stories about people, but they're an awful lot like you and me. As we have, have navigated this friendship with Jesus and this life of faith, I, I've, I've, for our convenience, I've, 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 uh, I've looked at them and called them the anatomy of faith. And uh, there's five points, and they all start with D. So that's nice and easy to remember. Oftentimes, our life of faith starts with either a dream or a desire. And sometimes it's our dream, and sometimes it's our own desire. And I think God's okay with that. Sometimes he gives us the dream, just, you know, just as, as he, he, he did uh, Paul, or he, he gives us a desire. Paul already had the desire to preach the gospel all over the world. Abram had a desire to have an heir. Amy Carmichael had a desire to go and be a missionary ever since she was a little kid, somewhere in the world. So our faith journey, our faith walk in everything, there was a desire of a group of people, you know, 15 years ago or so, that wanted to have a church called Gateway in the city and, have, and, and for a particular purpose. They met in, a, in, in someone's home and they dreamed about what it would look like. What would worship look like? What would the community look like? And there are these desires that are in us that we believe God for something. We hope for God in something. We trust him for something. And we step out, as it were, in faith. Oftentimes what we're hit with next is doubt. Have you ever been there? You know, you believe for something and all of a sudden things aren't going like, like Abraham. Wait, wait, did you really say this? You know, did you really give me a son? I'm going to help you out. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep with my, my wife's handmaiden, you know, Hagar, and, and we'll, maybe we'll do it that way. That we're hit with doubt. Doubt isn't a bad thing. It's a process. It is a process. Oftentimes in the doubt, we, we want to seek understanding. And that's not a bad thing. But here's what I found in my friendship with Jesus, is that belief that I, I, I need to almost believe in order to seek understanding, rather than understand so that I can believe. Do you get that? Rather, I, I, I need to believe in order to seek the understanding rather than understand something so I can believe it. That's those steps of faith in doubt. We will fight face doubt. They won't, they, 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 they it won't, it won't make sense to us at times. It didn't make sense to Abraham. It didn't make sense, I'm sure, to Paul. Like, what, what, wait, I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel and now I'm restricted? It probably didn't make sense to Amy Carmichael. Imagine, you know, two times out, 
and she probably had a doubt of her calling. The third thing that happens is the delay. It just, you know, it's not happening right away. You have that doubt and then there's that delay. And in that delay, you may face some disappointments. Things aren't working out. Look at the life of Gateway, my goodness. You know, you guys have gone through this as a church. You've had this great dream and great desire. I'm sure there were times the various leaders had a lot of doubt. And I imagine you faced delays and disappointments. It just seems like that's how it goes. I don't like it. I'd like it to be, you know, upward and to the right. Believe God and it just gets smoother and smoother and everything gets, gets, gets better and better. You know what I love about Psalm 23? And I've been meditating on this for a while. I've been stuck on Psalm 23 for a while and we sang parts of that. Is that the green pastures, and I might have said this to you guys before, but that's okay. Um, the green pastures and the still waters aren't the destination. We, we think that, like, oh, okay, you know, he's my shepherd. He's going to lead me to green pastures. That's the destination. But he also leads us through the valley of shadow of death. And he has the audacity to make a dinner plans at, at, at a restaurant with our enemies. The destination is that he is with us, that we sense that he is with us in every season of our life. There isn't a place in this anatomy of faith where he doesn't abandon, that he abandons us. He's with us in the dreams and the desires. He's with us in the doubt. He's with us in the delay and the disappointment. The destination that we will be in the house of the Lord forever, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us the, all the days of our lives, that he is going to be with us. So how do we experience the presence of Jesus, the friendship of Jesus in the dreams and desires, in the doubt, in the delay of it. And then here, we really don't like this. Oftentimes we hit a dead end. The death of a vision. Oh my goodness, I'm sure Abraham had that. I wondered if Paul had that like, holy cow, you know, twice I can't get into Asia, you know. I had a death to that vision and desire to preach the gospel in Asia. Amy Carmichael, I thought it was China. Then I pivoted and realigned myself to Japan. Nope, not Japan. I'm stuck back home. I have this calling and desire. A death to a vision and a dead end. And at that point, we see the breakthrough where God delivers. He delivered a son to Abraham. He delivered a new calling and a fresh calling and a very significant calling in Paul's life. If you, if you think about it, the trajectory of, of, of the gospel took a shift, took to a left-hand turn. And, 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 and the developing 
world at that time got the good news. Got the good news. And then Amy Carmichael, she got delivered from that disappointment and those young girls were rescued, hundreds of thousands of them over the years that have found hope in Jesus and a new life. Where are you at in this spectrum? And you know, we can be at many of those places because our lives are, 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 are complicated. But have you, have you had a dream or a desire that you're saying, yeah, I'm going for it. You're in that doubt stage, that delay, the dead end, or have you experienced enough of God's promises being fulfilled and delivered? I could tell you story after story after story where that's been my reality. For you individually and for you as a church, I'm praying that there's a deliverance. I love the phrase, the best is yet to come. Because the proverb says the path of a righteous is like the light of dawn. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter.